0: I'm back, baby! Oh, my double crap! Do you know who I am? No,
1: but maybe if you hum a
0: few bars. Yes, sir, random kid I just met!
1: You know, this man's forgotten more about pain than you'll ever remember. About pain. About forgetting about. It's Jake C. Lee.
0: I am the low rating that cancels your program! I thought you were made of sterner stuff. Don't be
2: jealous because I'm attractive! You know what?
0: You just made the list!
2: <laughs> oh wait you serious let me laugh even harder
1: it's time to check the link i like that
0: i didn't do anything wrong because i can't do anything
1: wrong
2: hooray people are paying attention to me it's all in sports
1: game on everyone it is all in sports jake steely is always two great guests for you today it's a big day on the show gonna give you the couple details at the beginning don't Fast forward or tune out, but make sure I know you're following me already at All In Kid. But in case you're not, you know, there you go. At All In Kids, where you can find me. You can follow my work at The Athletic. If you go to TheAthletic.com, Front Slash All In Sports, just like this show, it'll save you 30%, so you don't have to pay full price. Also, head over to Patreon.com, Front Slash, again, All In Sports. That's where you catch our extra shows. The discount on the black, actually, you get a free black book, discount on a shirt. All sorts of stuff. Myself, Joe Pizza, Pia, Chris Meany will be doing podcasts for you guys Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, and a lot more. Some YouTube videos mixed in there. That's where you can support us, be part of the team, and have some fun over there. Also, for this podcast, still giving away. Not yet. Well, I haven't done the drawing yet, but I'm going to be giving away a signed mini Saints helmet signed by Michael Thomas, which is awesome. I have it in the mail. Look for the picture of it. Actually, I got it in the mail. Look for a picture of it. I'm off to a smashing start today. as well. There's also a contest for the Patreon. First 100 people to sign up, a signed Kenyon Allen jersey, which you can get as well. So go for that. The t-shirts are in. Check the link. And band kickers. Let me know your size preference first. Then color, gray, navy blue. Check the link also has red. But the sizes are limited. Hopefully I get everybody to have what they want. If not, I might have to order some more. Email me at jciely, J-C-I-E-L-Y, at theathletic.com and let me know. And I of course need your shipping details and all types of stuff. $20 flat price, no charge for shipping all that stuff. Just $20. I'm not making any money. Just want to get these shirts out there cause they're awesome. And, uh, you know what? One more thing. I, I always tell you guys the rate and review and podcast and five stars and all that type of stuff. And that's actually how you get your entry into the contest, which will be starting next week for the helmet. But my friend, I won't say his name, but it starts with a P and it rhymes with something you use in baseball to hit the ball but he was saying that he jumped up there's like a trick Remember we talked about this a while ago about you know giving the five stars and subscribing and unsubscribe well apparently if everybody unsubscribes and resubscribes in the same day it'll vault you way up the list and actually get other people to realize and recognize you because you'll be highlighted somewhere on itunes I feel weird asking for that. I, I really do because I don't know. You guys make that decision on your own. I'll put it this way. Let's, go, let's look at it this way. So what I'll say is if you guys want to do it on November 5th, Monday, if you if you want, you can. I don't want to necessarily ask, but you can if you want. That has nothing to do with your entry. You still get the entry anyway if you tweet it and all that type of stuff. But uh, whatever. It's it's weird to me. So let, let's just jump into the show because that's more important. Lots of fantasy football stuff today. And let's do that with one of the kings of the industry. If we had him out trash more... His name would up. His face would be up there. You don't put names on Mount Trashmore. He's Michael Fabiano of the NFL Network. One of the great. Like I feel like Mike. If we were in like not opposite ends of the country, we would probably be pretty good friends because we're in fantasy sports. We both love wrestling. We're both into Star Wars. I just I feel like we kind of like lost each other of what we could have been just on the opposite ends of the country.
2: Yeah, dude. uh, We're we're both dorks, is what you're saying. So we (laughs) absolutely. we absolutely would have uh, become great friends. We're great friends regardless. But um, I appreciate that. Now, did you say Mount Trashmore? Oh, I did. Did I? I said Mount Trashmore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all
1: right. Hold on. So for everybody that's listening, yes, your fa- I would hope your face is not on Mount Trashmore. Mount Trashmore is here in Virginia Beach, Virginia. <laughs> it's this little podunk Park thing that literally was a mountain of – this is what we do in Virginia. They took okay. a mountain of trash and then – as it decomposed over the years, they decided to put grass on it and put a park around it. So it's Mount Trashmore. I'm Mount Mount wow. Rushmore, but yes, that's that is different.
2: that is hilarious because Virginia. I I lived I lived on Staten Island for about six months back in the day, and Staten Island is basically just a whole big sort of garbage dump. And so <laughs> um, I I I do know about living or being. It was I don't know if you've ever been to Staten Island, but yes. if you get on the wrong side of the breeze. Over there, and <laughs> Staten Island's actually nice. Otherwise, it's nice. Otherwise, but if you get on the wrong side of the breeze over there, whoo yeah, it's it's bad.
1: No, I was the. I've only been to one specific. I just went to that the Yankees affiliate, that little stadium there. Oh yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. The Staten Island Yankees. Yep. Yeah. So
1: I, I guess that's like the. You don't have to worry about the breeze area.
2: No, <laughs> or, or maybe there was no breeze at all because believe me, if you get in the wrong spot in Staten Island, My, uh, I have a friend who lives there who, if she ever heard this, would be very mad. But it's true. <laughs> Another
1: a hey, quick sidebar for you. Uh, who do you think takes the title this weekend? Braun or Brock?
2: Dude, I, I, it's gotta be Brock because I don't think, I don't think WWE is ready to give Braun Strowman a title. I, I just, that's sort of how I feel. Um, I've actually had some conversations about that with some people who are pretty, pretty big in the industry. And um, I just feel like, I feel like it's going to go back to Brock. I just don't think Braun brings enough uh, to the title. So, but I, I do, I do feel for for you know for Joe. I hope he's uh, I hope he's going to be fine. Uh, hopefully, he gets through this uh, second you know second bout with leukemia. Um, I talked I talked a little bit with Seth Rollins after the show. Um, texted him, just made sure he was okay because he was very emotional. So it, it sort of brings you to. Everyone loved to hate Roman, but it was nice to see the crowd get behind him when he made that announcement because, I mean, at the end of the day, we're all human and we're all dealing with things, and, um, you know, that that's a, that's a pretty serious situation that he's in right now. So hopefully he comes back stronger and stronger than ever uh, sooner rather than later.
1: I could not agree more. And actually, I've been a Roman fan. And actually, Seth, I'm hoping Seth can get his way to the top of the WrestleMania card for a title. And I, I know yeah, they already I'd previewed look- Survivor Series of him versus uh, Dean, so...
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to be there too. I'm going to, this is like, it's the only, and it's the only like pay-per-view I get to go to uh, during football season or the only wrestling event I get to go to during football season uh, when they're actually out here in Los Angeles. But I mean, I I get to, I get to see a lot of friends when they're here in town and hopefully I'm going to get, maybe I'll get uh, Seth on fantasy live at some point. He's been on the show before on the podcast. We'll see. But um, yeah, that's, that's going to be fun admittedly i haven't really watched as much as i'd like to man because i'm just my whole world is encapsulated with football
0: as (laughs) you
2: as you know and then you know i have girlfriend and the kid and so um it uh awesome costume by the way balboa i mean i asked him i was like what do you want to be for for halloween rocky balboa i said i love this kid i love him (laughs) that 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 was the best yeah it was fun it was fun and you know what's great too is like we we ended up getting like a giant bag of candy out of the whole thing and so you know last night me and Anna just indulged ourselves you know like Matthew went to bed and Anna and I were like oh yeah oh, 100 grand bar yeah I'm gonna take that one all right wait wait, wait, wait M&M's oh, yeah I'm gonna have that one too. yeah, yeah so it's like it's like we, <laughs> yeah dude I, it's like we send the kid out to do the work and then you know we sort of benefit from his, the, the fruits of his labor. <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: all. Did you? Hey, did you get the best of the best? I don't know. I mean, you might not agree, but I don't think there's a there's I don't think there's a competition for this. The best of the best is the holiday theme Reese's peanut butter cups. So the the pumpkins because the ratio oh, yeah. top is so much better.
2: How can you not love that? But like the the underrated bar, uh, candy bars for me, hundred grand bar, Charleston chew. But you never see Charleston chews anymore. but no. I, I, that was one of my favorites growing up. I love Charleston chews.
1: You know why? Because, and here, I'm going to tie this into my first question for you because I'm going to go Love right it. to your Cowboys. Charleston Chews are the Amari Coopers of chocolate candy because <laughs> if you get a fresh one, it's, all, it's Charleston Chews are amazing. But very often, you'll open it up and you'll get the rock-hard one that's been sitting oh, there dude, like yeah, that's months. And it's the yeah. most god-awful candy in the world. So
0: Yeah, that's, that's a, t- that,
2: a toothbreaker too.
1: There's no consistency. So, hey, your Cowboys – what kind of excitement do you have for Amari Cooper now? I mean, legitimate, it's like try not to be the, you know, the fan of the Cowboys. Like, See, what kind of upside are you hoping for?
2: So when the deal got announced, I didn't even hear about it. I came into the newsroom and a bunch of people in here know I'm a Cowboys fan. Say, so, hey, did you hear the Cowboys just got Amari Cooper? And I was like, what? Yeah, first <laughs> round pick. Oh, no, <laughs> first round pick. Because like, I remember like trading two firsts for Joey Galloway and that didn't work out. And then we traded first for Roy Williams. That didn't work out. I think it's too much for him. But I mean, I'm hoping he turns things around. I don't know that he's going to do it right away against Tennessee on Monday night, a tough matchup, but maybe a change of scenery is going to be a good thing. But for the last year and a half, Amari Cooper has been a very unreliable fantasy wide receiver. And I think that's sort of an understatement. He's had most of his production in just a handful of games. Other than that, I mean, he's given you headaches more than he's given you uh, any sort of fantasy production. So I hope that changes in Dallas. We'll see. The one thing that worries me, I mean, the Cowboys run the ball. I mean, this is, right. this is a run first offense. It's not like, you know, he's going to the, to the Chargers or, you know, he's going to be going to the Saints or he's going to the Packers. He's going to the Cowboys. Or they're going to run the football. They're going to continue to run the ball and utilize Ezekiel Elliott as a centerpiece of that offense. So I hope he's better than I expect him to be. But as a Cowboys fan, I'm going to always be a little bit pessimistic because I'd rather be pessimistic and not be disappointed than be optimistic and be heartbroken.
1: All right, so then let's take the next two players. And you mentioned one of them, Ezekiel Elliott. So are you buying into – because, you know, you can create a narrative either way with this. And, you know, you can, just what you said is the, the offense is a run first. Are you headed down the, hey, Ezekiel Elliott might even be better going forward because now there's a legitimate passing game threat. And then for Dak Prescott, is this, hey, his numbers might increase because now he has a, what could be a number one wide receiver. Or flip side, is it Zeke's just going to be Zeke because he is Zeke and Dak Prescott wasn't passing that much to begin with and a lot of his value comes running the ball anyway?
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't see a huge uptick in the value of, of Zeke because of Amari Cooper. I mean, here's what he is. He's actually, I mean, if you look at his PPR stats, I mean, he's on pace for almost 60 catches, yeah. which like shatters his career high, which I believe is right around the low 30s. And he's already had more targets or close to the same amount of targets this season, and we're only going into week nine, that he's ever had in a full season before. So I don't know that there's a huge uptick. It's certainly not a negative. It's not going to be a massive positive. I think he's going to be fine. Uh, he's still going to be an RB1. You know, as, as for Dak, you I mean, look at his last couple of games, and, and what's been the big change? Dak Prescott's rushing score. I mean, he has been putting up some yards as a runner. He had 82 in a touchdown against the Jags. I think he had like 30, 33 against the Redskins. He scored a touchdown on the ground and not surprisingly I mean those were the two best games he's had all season so if Scott Lanahan continues to allow Dak to use his legs I mean even the worst quarterback in the league can be a valuable fantasy option we've seen that in guys like Tim Tebow and Terrell Pryor when he was a quarterback hey not the greatest passers but if they can use their legs then they're going to be valuable and if Dak continues to do that then potentially he ends up being a useful fantasy option down the stretch rather than being waiver wire fodder which he's sort of been for most of the season I still don't love the matchup this week against Tennessee I don't know that this is going to be a particularly high scoring game I think this is going to be more of a defensive battle and the Cowboys defense is very tough at home so I would say this is one of those games that's more of a 17-14 game I don't expect a lot of points and I wouldn't be starting Dak Prescott this week.
1: All right, so that's a good – I'm glad you brought up that other point because is it time that – I don't think enough people in fantasy are giving the Cowboys defense the respect it deserves, and especially when it comes to their run defense. I pulled up a stat earlier this week. And a lot of people don't realize this. And I don't know if you've even seen it, Mike. So I pulled up on pro football reference. Cause I don't have the next gen stats like you guys have, which are awesome. <laughs> but yeah. I pulled up between the so guard to guard running the ball and then tackle and outside. Like that's the closest mm-hmm. I can get to running up the middle for what you guys have. And the Dallas defense is, third overall in least yards allowed in guard-to-guard, guard, and fourth least in tackles yeah. and outside. So basically, they're top four against the run in average yards per carry. So I think this is a, like, hey, we're benching potentially both Titans running backs this week. I know it's a 16-bye week, but like, mm-hmm. give this team the respect it deserves.
2: Yeah, I mean, Lewis, because of his pass-catching ability, is more, more of an option, you know, flex option for me. But Derrick Henry, who's very touchdown dependent and has basically had one good game all season, is not someone that I'd be starting. I mean, the Cowboys have given up 3.4 yards per rush at home this season, yeah. and their two best fantasy performances as defense have come at home, one of them being against the Jaguars. This is a different team at home, and it drives me nuts because obviously the talent is there. We've had some good wins at home, and I say we because I'm a Cowboys fan, but on the road, <laughs> we can't get it done, So, and that's been the narrative for the Cowboys this season, so I like the Cowboys' defense as a streamer. No no question about that. I mean, the Titans are scoring, what, 15 points a game? I think that's the third fewest in the entire league. Uh, and we know that the offensive line is leaky. We've seen some massive games in terms of sacks allowed. So uh, the Cowboys' defense, which is on the waiver wire in a lot of leagues, is a very good streamer this week and a better option than some of the big-name defenses out there because – I mean, let's be honest, there's one thing that we've learned, Jake, this year is that there is not a must-start defense in the National Football League as it pertains to fantasy football this season.
1: Nope, not at all. And for all those people out there, for the Jaguars defense that you drafted mm-hmm. in the ninth round, yeah, they're, they're 22nd on the year. Good job on that one. Dude,
2: I, I see them on the waiver wire in some of my leagues because they have a bye. Yeah, people have given up on them in some cases.
1: Uh, the the bear, and you talk about it like there is no must start. Like even the Bears, people thought it was them, and then they haven't even been a must start. So all right. Speaking of must starts, everybody's excited about Ryan Fitzpatrick being back. But you want to talk about defenses? Not a really good start for his first game back. Starting again, is he mm-hmm. really a must? Start? Like I see a lot of people up, just fire him, throw him back in there, go get him off yeah, your way. I mean.
2: Yeah, I, I don't see it because of the matchup. And, and, like, I mean, dude, it's it's Ryan freaking Fitzpatrick. Like, I get it. He had some big games in the beginning of the years, but the matchups were awesome. And then he went to Chicago, and he stunk, you know? He got pulled out of the game. But like, at some point or another, Jameis Winston is going to end up starting for the Bucks again. Why? Because Fitzpatrick's going to blow up, and he's going to have three picks, and then Carter's going to take him out, and he's going to put Winston in. Like, it's it's guaranteed to happen. And the Panthers... I mean, they've allowed just one quarterback to finish better than 13th in fantasy points this season. They're giving up fewer than 15 points per game at home to the position. Uh, Quarterbacks have a passer rating of 74.3 when they're playing Carolina on their home field. I think the narrative here would be game script, where Fitzpatrick is going to put up a lot of garbage time points. Because looking at the numbers, I can't see anywhere where this is a positive matchup for him.
1: I, I'm with you, and I, I'm, I'm very reluctant to recommend starting him. I know it's a 16-bye week, but I don't think he's the easiest one. All right, so here's another difficult situation we have. Dalvin Cook is practicing, although we've heard mm-hmm. that story before. This is the first time. Right, right. It's an amazing matchup, though, but we've also already had a game on this season where he's been out there and saw very few carries actually even came out of the game I'm going to compare this to another situation, and I know that you have a personal invested vested interest in this one. And something you just went through with this is what we might be dealing with tonight. I kind of feel like Dalvin Cook might be headed into the Matt Breida realm of, oh, my God, oh, I'm just going to get burned no matter what I do.
2: Yeah, I mean, for me, the Vikings would just be smart to, to sit them, and then they have a bye week, and then you bring Dalvin back after the bye because you want him to be hundred percent. You know, these soft tissue injuries, you know, these are hard to come uh, to overcome. Just ask anyone who's got Cook or Fournette. And it just listen, Latavius is is rolling right now, man. Just give him the football. He's gonna be fine. The Lions are giving up five and a half yards per rush. He'll be good. And fantasy owners would certainly prefer not to have to deal with the headache of a potential backfield committee. But for me, Cook is a guy that I would just be sitting. And I would be waiting and hopefully he comes back after that bye week and he's 100% because he's got a good schedule in the fantasy postseason, uh, a really good schedule. So Cook is someone that I I hope doesn't come back too soon and I would expect him to come back after the bye week. But I mean, hey, I'm just a lowly fantasy analyst. What do I know?
1: (laughs) What do you know? What do you you know about tonight? What are we doing with Matt Breida?
2: Oh, dude. (laughs) Well, I mean, like, I I guess he's going to play. Right. I mean, like, I, I guess, you know, I, I, I did a little rant on Brita, you know, last week, apparently I copied someone. I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I had to have trademark on, uh, on rants, but um, he, he is so like maddening and that, and that was what I was talking about. Like it was about Brita, like how he is so just frustrating because whether or not he comes in and then he gets hurt or he's hurt all right. week and he's not expected to play. And then, you're liking Morris, and Morris doesn't do anything, and it's Mostert. And then Breida's again hurt, and oh, now Mostert is getting the touches, and he's a sleeper. And then Breida all of a sudden is, is going to play, but he's going to be limited. And then he <laughs> plays, and he leads the team in backfield snaps and touches. I mean, Shannon Hannigan is, is back in full effect. But if Breida is active, which I expect him to be, the six teams on a bye, I mean, I guess he's a flex starter. The matchup is there. Yes. No question yeah. about that. <laughs> And behind him, we don't know what's going on. I mean, is Alfred Morris going to get touches Is most are going to get? Who the heck knows right now? I mean, it's a complete, it's a complete toss-up. So, Well, do you want to hear my I, theory? Absolutely. This, this is my
1: theory on Brita, is if he's questionable all week and missing practices, you fire him up as a must-start. If he's okay <laughs> and he's going to start the game, then you sit him because he's going to come out
2: midway through. Yeah, I mean, that's like the weird, bizarre world we live in when it comes to Matt Brita.
1: Like, the, how about the fact of the weird, bizarre world that we're that invested in what Matt Breida is going to be doing in week nine of the fantasy football season?
2: Right. It, 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 I mean, and it, and it comes at a tough time, too, because, like, you know, six teams off, I mean, you're, you're scraping the bottom of the barrel. You're looking at the waiver wire. You're playing the matchups. And, I mean, the matchup is good for Breida. And assuming he gets the same number of touches he got last year, last, uh, last week, maybe a little bit more, I mean, he should be in line to put up at least double-digit PPR points.
1: Yeah, absolutely. All right, so how about this situation? Because I feel like he was, you know, Amari Cooper before Amari Cooper was Amari Cooper. But are Mm -hmm. we doing Devontae Parker again? Or are we going down this road again where, you know, we're getting sucked back? Like, my column this week, I compared it to a bad dating relationship. (laughs) Yeah, right. I was like, you know, oh, no, I only kissed the guy and I was drunk. I'm sorry. And then it's like, no, no, no I, I know, but I know I slept with the guy, but I thought we were on a break, like friends. And then it's like, you're like, all right, fine. I'll give you one more chance. Like, I feel like that's what we're doing with Devontae Parker.
2: But I mean, like, you know, Albert Wilson's on IR. You know, Kenny Stills is banged up. I mean, I want to see if Tremaine Johnson comes back this week. You know, that could have a big effect on whether or not you play him or you don't play him. But. He did look good last week, and you know he's a talented wide receiver. He's a former first-round pick, and he's he's someone that if he gets the opportunity and there was all the drama with him and Adam Gase and he's healthy and the Asian, et cetera. But, I mean, if he's going to be out there and playing and he's going to be the number one option for Brock Osweiler, who clearly had an affection for him last week, then, I mean, at worst, he's a flex starter.
1: <laughs> I, I think so, but I feel like we're doing this. We're going to come home, and he's going to have steal, stolen my identity and my girlfriend. Like, I just – it's not going to be that bad. Just, all right, so – How about this situation for you? Mm -hmm. And we're looking at the Seahawks. Russell Wilson's been on fire, but Russell Wilson's averaging about 20 attempts per game. Tyler Lockett's catching a million touchdowns. David Moore is catching a million touchdowns. Mm -hmm. Is this good or bad? Because I see people, I know how I feel about it, but for you, is it good or bad for you? Because I've seen some people say positive regression and the fact that, he'll get more yards and the touchdowns will be there because he's, you know, that, that will inverse and set itself off where some people are saying, well, look at the touchdown rate. It's unsustainable and he's not passing the ball. Like, are you looking at this as a good or bad thing for Russell Wilson?
2: No, it, I, I don't like this, you know, the, this touchdown to, you know, to completion ratio here because, like you said, it's not sustainable. And the thing that I don't like about Russell even more is that he's got 77 yards rushing and we're coming into week nine. Yeah. This is a guy who is almost guaranteed to give you four or 500 yards rushing every single season, and he's done nothing as a runner this season. That's been a big problem. Part of the reason why is the Seahawks are having so much success, especially in recent weeks with running the football with Chris Carson uh, and to a lesser degree, Mike Davis. Nice draft pick, by the way, Rashad Penny. So I still start Russell Wilson, but that does have me concerned. Uh, I would like to see him throwing the football a little bit more. And if he's not throwing the football a little bit more, I'd like to see him running the football anymore because he hasn't been running the ball at all this season. He's basically become a pocket passer. And from a fantasy perspective, you no, know, we're not liking that. We like the rushing yards and we're not getting them so far this season.
1: Yeah. That, that's, that's the biggest concern, obviously. All right. a few more. We'll get you out of here. Can you bench these players and we'll stick with the Seahawks real quick. The way that mm-hmm. Doug Baldwin's been playing now, he warned us and said he doesn't think he was going to be hundred percent this entire season, if not till the yeah. end of the season at best case scenario. But if you look at – if we took Doug Baldwin off the jersey and just
2: said – Yeah, this, I know. Uh, is he not benchable? Yeah, I mean, it, it's like Curtin Jerker McGee, dude. It's like, who is this guy? I mean, he, David Moore has been better. You know, Tyler Lockett has clearly been better. Um, right. you know, he, he's had his lowest targets, his lowest receptions, his lowest yards, his lowest points since 2012. And, and, and people like us who have been doing this for a long time, you remember Doug Baldwin? He wasn't a good fantasy player years ago. Uh, he, he was a waiver wire fodder. And yeah. he's sort of becoming that right now. I mean, the Chargers, you know, they've only given up two touchdowns to slot receivers this season. they give him up the 60 US PPR points to slot receivers this season. And with six teams off, maybe it's hard to bench him. But if you're starting him, you have to temper your expectations, no doubt about it.
1: All right. So how about, we already talked about Deion Lewis and Derrick Henry, Corey mm-hmm. Davis against the Cowboys. I and mean, we're also talking about one of the better, under, well, I'd say more underrated corners in the league.
2: Yeah, I think uh, it's funny too because, like, ever since his, his big performance against the Eagles, he had like 31 points. He's been to sit him every week uh, yeah. where, where the Titans have not had a buy, and he's been bad every week. I mean, since that game, he's had 16.3 points combined, and the Cowboys <laughs> have given up three touchdowns and the seventh fewest points to receivers lined out wide. And, and you mentioned uh, you know underrated quarterback. This, this is a situation to avoid for me. Like, they, there's not a Titan that I would start with any kind of confidence this week. None. No, Deion Lewis might be the best. That's it.
1: <laughs> and then that's eh, I don't even feel that great about that. All right, LeSean McCoy against the look. I I understand the volume, and I argue with somebody about it. somebody actually wanted to drop him. I'm like, you can't drop LeSean McCoy. But you, no, you, you no. know, last week the only thing that saved his day was the receiving game. And Nathan Peterman is back at quarterback this week. <laughs>
2: yeah, dude. I mean, like, there. This is a recipe for disaster. The whole season's been a recipe for disaster. I mean, McCoy's ceiling is like 12 points this year in PPR leagues. That's it. And now he's got the Bears. They're giving him, what, three and a half yards per rush. They haven't given up a rushing touchdown, I believe, to, to a, a running back. Um, game script is against McCoy. The matchup is against McCoy. The quarterback might be the worst in the entire league, uh, unless Nick Mullins plays for the 49ers tonight. We'll see. But <laughs> McCoy is – but here's the problem. I mean, how do you bench him? Unless you're deep, unless you've done some magic with the waiver wire, He's going to be a guy that you kind of almost have to play, even if it's a flex starter. At least the touches have been there in his last three games, but I would not expect a whole lot from LaShawn McCoy. This is is a Bears game. This could be a Bears blowout. We'll see.
1: Yeah, it's definitely not a good feeling. All right, last one. I'll get you out of here on this and get back to work like we're always doing over here. All right, have we turned the corner? Is it finally Aaron Jones time in Green Bay?
2: Dude, I have been sounding the horn for Aaron (laughs) Jones like the whole season, you know, like, um, uh, you know, you see like, you know, the, the free Aaron Jones tweets. Uh, I have been in love with Aaron Jones this season and I'm just befuddled every single time McCarthy has gone out there and not giving him a full workload. Give this guy 18 touches a game minimum? Aaron Rogers has already said, this is a good running back. The best maybe that we've had since Ryan Grant, uh, not the wide receiver. There was a really good running back for the Packers years ago. Named Ryan right. Grant. <laughs> but, now they traded away Ty Montgomery. And, and I get it. Ty Montgomery didn't get a lot of touches per, per game, uh, more of a pass catcher. But still, I'll take any additional touches that I can get when it comes to Aaron Jones. And I would say he is a flex starter this week. It's one of the more interesting matchups and one of the more interesting players that I'm going to be watching this week because he finally put up the numbers that we as fantasy owners were expecting him to put up. And so with Montgomery out of the mix, now do we see him play more of a featured role? I don't know that he's ever going to be a true featured back. They're going to utilize Jamal Williams in the passing game, no question about that. But can we get him to a point where he's getting around 18 touches a game and where he can utilize his skill set? I mean, this guy is just a playmaker. I'm going to yeah. start him this week. I'm hoping for good things. Uh, not that I'm supremely confident because I don't trust McCarthy and, and what he's doing in, right, that, right. In, that, in, that, in that offense with that backfield. But Montgomery's no longer in the mix. We'll see what happens. Uh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll cross my s- fingers and hope for the best.
1: I, I say we can hope that it's kind of like old school LaShawn McCoy where he does everything and then we, we do it every single week. He just gets vultured at the end zone. But at least you know maybe he scored a touchdown from 20 yards out or he's put up enough yep. yards that we're okay with it anyway. Really he, well.
2: he, he has got the talent to be a really good fantasy running back, and we've seen it. You know, yards yeah. per carry average is impressive. I mean, we've seen him make plays. He just needs to get more opportunities, no question.
1: All right. Once again, everybody knows – I mean – I think I'm telling everybody what they should and already have done and know already, but follow you at Michael underscore Fabiano and I'll I'll let you go ahead. And tell everybody what you got going on, where to find you every day of the show on the network. Although, like I said, unless you're living under a rock and you just started fantasy <laughs> today, they should know your name and what you are for fantasy football.
2: Yeah, so uh, you know, NFL Network uh, Monday through Friday, 5 p.m. Eastern. Um, we also do a podcast show on Sunday mornings that you can get. On NFL.com/slash/fantasy live, You threw out the Twitter out there. I'm occasionally getting into arguments with other fantasy analysts. Actually, typically it's just one, Um, (laughs) so those are those are kind of fun and entertaining. It and I've got Instagram, I've got YouTube, man, I've got it all. I don't know how I do it. Like my head's spinning all the time during football season. The same thing with you. And by the way, you do a great job. Keep kicking ass. You're one of the best young analysts in fantasy football. You're doing a great job, and, you know, big things are coming ahead for you, my friend. So uh, I I give kudos to you because if people aren't following you out there and they play fantasy football, then they should be. So keep up the great work, my man.
1: Well, too kind. I really appreciate it. It doesn't come much better than for somebody like you. I appreciate that. But thanks again. One of the best guests I've had, Michael Fabiano. You know where to find him. And uh, I'm sure we'll be talking again soon and talking about wrestling.
2: Yeah, brother. All right, man. You go easy. Have a good week. You too. All right, it's Thursday,
1: and a welcome back addition to the show. He's had a little week off doing some grandiose things, if you caught it, it as James Co, As always, Co knows, joining me this Thursday, some talking, some talking, talking some, if I could get my words correct. <laughs> Next-gen stats and a lot of stuff, getting ready for week nine in the fantasy football season. I, I say that, James, and isn't that the most like, disappointing thing you ever heard is, like, we're already in the back half of the season?
0: It's crazy, how fast it goes man and you know and the and the funny thing is too um you know when you play fantasy football it's like i always tell myself it's like hey listen man things change things change things change but we still approach it like no we've got eight weeks of data so we're good you know it's like it's like (laughs) no we're not you know it's like god the things by the end of the year things get so topsy-turvy it's just craziness but um I will also say this too. It's like uh things get topsy turvy, but for whatever reason, we don't want to believe it. You know what I mean? Right. It's like if if for example, like, I don't know, like Patrick Mahomes completely falls off. Um, you know, we'll just tell ourselves, No, 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 Patrick Mahomes is coming back. No, no, he's coming. No, because we have eight weeks of data and he was amazing, <laughs> he's coming back. You know what I'm saying? It, We'll ignore all of the other stuff and we'll just say, no, 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 he's coming back because we have eight weeks of data. And I know that's definitely going to happen with somebody. And on the flip side, too, I think that's, it's even more true on the flip side, which is somebody has been terrible for eight weeks. Let's say David Johnson, for example, who's, you know, he's been okay, you know, but I, actually David Johnson is a great example because I tell you what, he's actually been okay. In PPR leagues, he's actually been pretty. Deep. He scored a lot of touchdowns. And he's still to one. I know he's still a top ten, top twelve running back, and people are treating him like like he was the first three weeks of the season when he was absolutely terrible. So right. it's it's interesting, you know. That has lingered even now, you know. But yeah, I mean that's it's just a it's interesting, you know. We're we're halfway through, and. Things get so topsy turvy in the NFL. The NFL, literally, you, you just—it's every four weeks, things just get turned upside down. Yeah. Um, but we don't ahead. want to—we don't want to believe the data.
1: No, I've had David Johnson in a buy low section of the rankings for the past four weeks. <laughs> like people are still—they're still, <laughs> they're, still exactly. sending, they're like exactly. the trade offers I'm getting. Like i will tell you what, I just got one today. Was do I send David? Jo- and I'm not kidding you, David Johnson and AJ Green for Julio Jones. And I oh. said. I was like, why? Jeez. Like, what, what has David Johnson done to you? <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> oh, you know what this it reminds is. me
1: of? Do you remember last year? And I, I don't even know if I brought this up to you before, but I, it's the perfect example. So if I did, I've brought up many times before, but I kept bringing up last year's example until the last half of the season, which is right about now, was Michael Thomas last year? Michael Thomas was basically David Johnson last year. He was like a fringe wide receiver one. He was producing every single week. No, he wasn't putting up a Julio Jones thirty-point game, and he wasn't putting up three touch, But he was just producing every single week, and people are just like, uh, eh, what do I do with Michael Thomas?" And I was like, "What do you mean, what you do with Michael Thomas? You keep starting him because he's a wide receiver one."
0: Right, right, exactly. Uh, it's it, it is funny how you know you build up these expectations, and then you know it's like. <laughs> and then if they don't reach those expect, those crazy expectations, people start freaking out. It, it's So like I said, man, it, it's... Um, well, let me ask you about two
1: wide receivers then. Yeah. Because so, I think these two wide receivers are good and they go right into this conversation. One is, another by low I've been talking about, and we're going to talk about too, is like some of the players and maybe one of them is, you know, what you expect a little bit more... The second half of the season, because yesterday's show, if everybody caught it, you know, we did the first half surprises and disappointments. And, you know, I even said that Patrick Rose was an easy surprise. Nobody expected him to be that good. But one of the ones I'm looking at for the second half is Keenan Allen, because Keenan Allen is doing what Keenan Allen does. He seemingly does this every single year. The first half of the season is just like, oh, I'm going to mosey along. I'm kind of a high end wide receiver, too. And then last year, what did you do in the second half? he went off and it's kind of the same thing this year. He's still on pace for what 11 1200 yards. He's only got one touchdown. He's kind of coming down the the Julio Jones rabbit hole here, but on the flip side, at least he's got Philip Rivers and him who always connect and find the way to score at least five or six touchdowns.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a very interesting point, you know. Um, I think a lot of the frustrations with Keenan Allen certainly is the fact that he hasn't scored that many touchdowns. He's got as you mentioned just one. Um, and you're right. If he gets to, if he gets to six or seven, that means in the next, you know, six weeks, he's going to score five, which is great. Right. So right. Uh, I think, I think you're right. Um, I, I think he's a great buy low guy. And, and I think the, the, the process of, of buying low also makes a lot of sense too. I would be surprised if, if by years end he only finished with two touchdowns or three <laughs> touchdowns, you know what I mean. So, I mean, even if it's five, it's four over the next, you know, six games. That's you'll, you'll take that, right?
1: Uh, every day of the week, and get people get frustrated. It was, so here's another one, and I think this goes really well with what you were saying about how things change and people are reluctant, and they just keep sticking. You know, is Allen Robinson even startable if he even plays? Because I'm looking at Alan Robinson this year, and he is Alan Robinson, and I love Alan Rob. Like I know uh, Harmon, your, your your former colleague and still good friend. Yeah. You know he's he was the Alan Robinson champion. You know and all that type of stuff is. Sure. And I always get mad at him because I joke around. I was like, dude, I was loving him on so much. But you did a full article, so you win. Like you you kind of went up beyond him. But I'm yeah. looking at a season, and he's got two touchdowns. Obviously, he's missed a lot of time, but he's only topped 64 yards once, and that was only 83. He's not been able to get back on the field. I just that, and I'm looking at it, and I was like, yeah, I kind of feel like you do have to start him. But is it like if we stripped the Alan Robinson name from him, th- to your point of how things change? Are we holding on to the it's what we know of Alan Robinson? Or are we holding on to the fact of like you know what? If I knew he wasn't Alan Robinson, is just some random person, he wouldn't even be on my roster.
0: Yeah, uh, that that's the latter is absolutely true. I mean, the guy's a pro bowler. We know he can put up fourteen hundred and fourteen touchdowns. We know he can do these things, um, but that's just not his role in the offense. I I mean, if you take a look at you know his target share, his air yard share, it's just none of it's there. None of it would indicate uh, that this guy can absolutely go. I mean, again, you mentioned that that game where he had eighty-three yards, and that's his season high. That's his season high. He did that on ten. receptions how does that I mean it, it's that's the very un-Allen Robinson like game um, saw 14 targets in that game against Seattle picked up 83 yards I mean I just I don't think he's a must play um, he's a wide receiver three four he's maybe a flex play in deep leagues but I just think his role in the offense and again go watch the Bears play they don't have a funnel receiver if anything mm-hmm. I think at this point in the season I think Tariq Collins probably your only must-start guy that's it mm-hmm. I wouldn't I, I definitely feel pretty weird about you know starting Jordan Howard each and every week uh, I think he's you know again flex consideration sure but you're hoping for a touchdown if you're playing Jordan Howard that's a tough way to live man
1: or a hell of a lot of volume uh, and even then, <laughs> she still might only get 80 yards.
0: You know, I'll, I'll say this about Jordan Howard, too. You know, we had basically skewered Mike McCoy for forcing David Johnson inside. And, you know, the vast majority of his runs were, were being run inside. You know, I had written about David Johnson and, and how Mike McCoy was using him as, as a LeGarrette Blunt style running back. And basically just keeping him between the tackles, refusing to run him outside. The crazy thing is, Jordan Howard is running inside at basically the, the highest level in the NFL. LeGarrette Blunt is is leading the league, but by fractions of a single percentage point. So it's Le I mean, Blunt the touches they get. That's crazy. That's, that's, that's what I'm saying. Um, and Jordan Howard running in between the tackles, running inside on a whopping 70 percent of his runs. he just doesn't have the chance. There's, there's just no chance for this guy to break out big runs. It's so hard to break out big runs between the tackles. It's so hard. Um, and the data would support that, too. You know, we talk about deep passes and how you got to throw it deep. You got to throw it, This is the whole concept behind air yards, which is, yeah, you, you want a lot of air yards. You want a lot of deep passes. I think. It's similarly true about outside versus inside runs. If you, yeah. look at the, if you look at the top rushers in the NFL right now, I think four of the top eight rushers in the NFL, four of the top eight rushers in the NFL running in between the tackles, less than 40%. Jordan Howard is running it 70% of the time mm-hmm. inside. He doesn't have a chance. He doesn't have a chance.
1: Uh, yeah, you're basically, yeah, hammering him from the, from the get-go. I'm looking at his game log right now. He's only got two games over 3.7 yards of carry, and it was 14 and 15 against Green Bay and Miami. Oh, look, two of the worst defenses.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs)
1: And so, you know what the interesting part is, too? You talk about the use, and no, he's never been an amazing catcher, but we saw the improvement. He went from five targets, four targets, two, and then one, 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 one. Like, they just, even stopped using it it's like they're almost insistent on like the only way you're going to do anything is if you hopefully do it between the tackles good luck buddy
0: yeah and i just don't and i just don't get that you know and and look i i've absolutely you know um skewered mike mccoy and and also uh, uh john fox as well <laughs> you know but john fox at least had the the sense to run jordan howard inside and outside yeah So it just, you know, I looked at the data last year too, and and John, and I think Jordan Howard, I don't have it in front of me, but Jordan Howard ran outside something like, you know, 55% of the time. You know what I mean? So, and I think that's a big reason as to how you get efficiency up in the NFL. Um, I'll give you one more next gen stat in regards to this. and, And this, and this to me was, you know, made a lot of sense, but if you run it in between the tackles, the, the NFL average right now among running backs is four yards a carry in between the tackles. But if you run it out of the tackle box, so if you run it outside the tackles, the NFL average is 4.5 yards per carry. That's a significant difference, a significant difference. And it, to me, the data just supports the fact that, and again, you talk about the top rushers in the NFL, it's, it all makes sense, it all lines up. You got to okay. run these guys outside, you have to figure out ways to get these guys in space and let them work upfield.
1: I've got, so I, I pulled another number earlier this week and I pulled guard to guard for mm-hmm. running backs over on pro football reference. The two, two of the highest four percentages of running between guard to guard. You'll never guess Jordan Howard and David Johnson <laughs> <laughs> averaging 3.4 <laughs> yards per carry when they run guard to guard. Whoa. Exactly.
2: What a Shocking. Surprise.
1: I know. I know, shocking. This isn't working for them this season, huh? I wonder how that. Works. You know, we sit here and joke, though. It's kind of like I I don't get it because I I I don't want to be like, hey, we're intelligent and the coaches aren't. But at some point, like, it's like where does where do we draw the line between? This is your job. It's kind of hard for us to sit back and play like armchair quarterback. But at the same time, I mean, it it, it is that simple, isn't it? <laughs>
0: Yeah, man. You know, here, here's the thing with with Jordan Howard and the difference between Jordan Howard um, and David Johnson's situation with Mike McCoy. Um, I know that he's got Brian By- Byron Leftwich now, and 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 we saw a little bit different usage in the desert as well, which is good. Um, I, and I really like David Johnson moving forward. But <clears throat> the thing with uh, the thing with Matt Nagy, man, you know, they run a lot of RPO. So when I'm watching Chicago play and I'm watching Jordan Howard run it inside continuously, it's because all they're doing, they're just using him as a decoy to set up RPOs. So they have to have Jordan Howard run it inside <clears throat> because they're just running in, I an mean, in inordinate amount of RPOs. And I get it. Mitch, Mitch can run. He's got legs, he's athletic, and he can do those things. But, man, you are just you, – you've got this – I mean, you you've got this great power, you know, back, and you're just leaving them in the garage, and you're just revving them up in the garage, and just saying, "Hey, man, show these people you got the power," but don't ever use the power. Right. That's to me, that's a problem. You know what I'm you saying? Who so, are,
1: who hates RPOs? Our colleague Emory Hunt, a former running back, and this is why. This is exactly you're, what you're saying is exactly why part of the reason he hates it is because, you, like you said, you you limit. The ability and the upside, and actually the talent of somebody who doesn't necessarily fit that situation. And the funny thing is, he's also a huge Tariq Cohen fan. Like, he, he's always been a Tariq Cohen, as in, like, play him over Jordan Howard anyway. But on top of that, to your point, he's always doubled down and said, like, well, if you're going to stop doing this to him because, like you just said, you're ham, he's hum- hamstrung because of how yeah. you're treating him.
0: Right, and, and that's and that's the difference, you know, between Chicago and and Arizona. Arizona, they're just straight calling, you know, straight under center. Here you go, halfback dive play between the center and guard. What are you doing, man? Like, what? this is not a goal to go situation, bro. Like. Stop it! It's first down. What do you what are you calling this play for? This is no, stupid. They're standing
1: on the sideline. They're just hammering the X button on <laughs> Madden. It's just like yes, yes,
0: yes. yes that one. The Makes same no one sense. over and
1: over again. All right, so let's talk about some things that you know, next gen stat wise, and, and continue with this. And we have the trade of Amari Cooper. Now it's been two weeks since we've been able to see him because he had the double buy thanks to the trade, which has also now hit Colton Tate sadly. But yeah, what is your thought? I know you have some numbers when we look at Amari Cooper. You know, I, there's the apologist that Amari Cooper has had since the time he stepped into the NFL, the people, the truthers, I should add that to the top 10 list of things to stop <laughs> saying on Twitter, of people that want to support him and make every excuse possible. And then you're you have people like me who's like, you know, stop, stop, stop. I've been trying to take right. a stop since he came out of college. So I'm sure there's a middle
0: ground, but where do you stand on this? You know, to me, when I go back and I, and I look at Amari Cooper and I, and I was with you, man, I'm just like, forget it, man. The guy's just too inconsistent. You know, He's, it's not worth the headache of of trying to figure out when Amar Cooper's going to go off. Um, and, and I think there's still a lot to that, man, but you know, I, I just wrote about him in the athletic as well. Um, if anyone wants to go check it out, but to me, Amari Cooper's actually played really well this year. Um, and I think a lot of the problems this year, um, and I, and I don't think this is true of years past, but I think in this particular year, I think that a lot of the problems with Amari Cooper is more the Oakland offense than it is Amari Cooper. Um, you look at his yards of separation and it's one of the highest in the NFL, as a matter of fact, he's a top, you know, uh, a top six wide receiver. However, you slice it, but for high, higher volume guys, he's he's basically a top four uh, wide receiver in terms of separation stance. And what are separation stance? Well, separation stance for those who don't know, uh, when the ball arrives, so catch or drop, it doesn't matter. But when the ball arrives, um, how many yards of separation does a wide receiver have from his nearest defender? Right. And Amari Cooper is averaging 3.8 yards of separation. For an outside wide receiver, that is really, really good. I mean, those are basically – those are almost separation stats that you would see for a slot receiver where, you know, guys are playing a little bit off. You know, maybe there's a little bit of confusion. You know, a lot of times they'll uh, find open spaces in zone coverage, so there's a lot of yards of separation there. <clears throat> but for an outside wide receiver who sees downfield throws, that is that's that's a very big number. Um, and you know, uh, and I'm watching him play. And, and again, it, and it's it's the way he he plays. It's because he's strong. It's because he's fast. It's because he knows what he's doing out there. It's it, to me, it's interesting, man. You know, I just don't think the the narrative that he's a uh, inconsistent football player holds true in 2018. I think it holds true over his career because obviously that is the case, but in 2018, I just don't see it. Um, and to me, he's actually played pretty well. And I'll give you an interesting stat, man. There are two, there are two games where he saw, you know, more than 10 targets, two games. Hmm. And in those two games, he caught 20 of 22 targets and averaged 122 receiving yards in those games. Um, when you when, basically the point that I'm making is if you give this guy volume, he's absolutely performed. In you the other games, with the- <laughs> <laughs> in the other games he just hasn't seen volume. I mean, he's averaging three and a half targets in those other games. That's not enough for any wide receiver to work. You know what I mean? So right. um, in Dallas, I'm I'm very curious. Will they open it up a little bit more? And will they give this guy somewhere between? I don't know, six to eight targets a game. If they do, and remember, Dez got about seven and a half targets a game uh, the last right. two years there in Dallas. If they give him something, you know, around six to eight targets a game, will we see a more consistent Amari Cooper? I think the answer is yes. And I, I, would, be buying, uh, I would be buying as many shares of Amari Cooper as possible.
1: So, all right, well, that you made me think of something else, by the way. So, surprise first half. I would also throw that one out there. Like, I really thought Des Bryant would be on a team by now. I, I, oh, I yeah. I completely forgot about him until you said that. Like, Des oh, yeah, that's right. He still hasn't come back. All right, so. You know, uh, by the way,
0: I'm in two different leagues, a 12-teamer and a 14-teamer. And they're highly competitive, deep leagues. Um, and for some reason, Des Bryant is rostered in both of those leagues. I'm like, guys. <laughs> What is going on here? Like we're, we're playing in a high money, high competitively. Who is rostering Des Bryant right now? What's wrong with you guys?
1: I think he's still. You know, I have a home league that's been going for 13 years, which is a decent chunk. Oh, he fought. he just dropped him this week. Finally, <laughs> we watch him nine. come back next week. <laughs> so he's stop. <laughs> <laughs> after all this. All right. So rest of the season. And you know, of course we're not going to come back and you know, week 17 of this aged. Well, James, where to go. Like, <laughs> you're just not gonna be. So, but if I had to ask you today, like, and you have to say, you know, you can just give me like a five range, like a 25 to 30, like where do you, what, what would you reasonably expect Cooper for the rest of the season? wide receiver
0: wise? I think he's a top 20. I think he's a locked and loaded top 20 wide receiver. Um, and I think that's, you know, I think that's pretty fair value for him. I would, I would also say he's got potential <clears throat> to be a top fifteen wide receiver. That's probably his ceiling. And obviously, you know, again, just given kind of Dallas's passing struggles and, and those type of things, um, if you want to build in his career as well for being an inconsistent wide receiver, I think certainly you know he could fall um, outside the top thirty as well. I think that's kind of his floor. But I think a top twenty projection for him, I think, is pretty fair.
1: Do, would you take all three Rams wide receivers versus him, like each one? I don't mean like all three together.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, no, no, absolutely. All, the, all those guys are, are locked and loaded. And, and I think their floors are, are much higher than Amari Cooper's floor, and their ceilings are much higher too. So uh, just, just given that, yeah, I would take all three of those guys uh, ahead of Cooper in PPR. Uh, Cooper cup is not great in PPR, but you know, whatever. Yeah. In PPR, all all three of those guys for sure. Yeah.
1: Okay. How about both lions
0: post trade? Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay. Um, yeah, I just, I don't, I don't see how they're not, uh, I, I think they come with volatility because they're both downfield guys and you know, there's only so many downfield throws you can make per game. Um, but I I don't I don't see how you don't have those guys as at least top twenty ish wide receivers. I I would put I would put both of those guys in the same in the same class as Amari Cooper though.
1: All right. So here's a big one then. And I think a lot of people are be like, Oh, you know, because you're saying top twenty, and I know a lot of people don't know where to put him and might even think he can be there for the rest of the year. Cortland Sutton or Amari Cooper.
0: I oh man I don't know what to think of Courtland Sutton right now. Um, he sees a ton of air yards and he'll see more now that Demaryius Thomas is gone. He, you know, he and Demaryius Thomas basically saw the same amount of air yards in Denver. Um sorry,
1: I know. I, I threw it yeah. in the waiver column. The air yards per target was fourteen point nine, and Thomas's was ten point six. The A dot was fourteen and ten point nine. So it's a it's a pretty big jump between the two of them.
0: Yeah, they throw to Cortland Sutton, you know, when they throw to him, they throw to him deep. Um, but I do think that Sutton will get some of those Demarius Thomas bubble screens. Um, and so I think you'll see his target share go up. That being said, I think Emmanuel Sanders will probably see the, the, the most uptick. I think you'll see Emmanuel Sanders run more, you know, deep downfield, you know, routes. So that's kind of what I was thinking. Um, man, Sutton's, Sutton's a hard guy to evaluate. Um, boy, is he a top 20 wide receiver? I mean, he's a must own and I and I said he's a must add in all formats. I don't care what, you know, I don't care what you're playing in 10 team or deep right for sure. He's worth the roster spot, but man, top 20. Will he get enough touchdowns to get in there? You know, I would still have Cooper ahead of uh, of Sutton.
1: I like um, it. Well, I mean, and, I don't. And like, I
0: think but I, like the, <laughs> I like the. I like the call.
1: I don't like the, the call, as in the, I don't like Amari Cooper.
0: <laughs> no, no, no. I hear what you're saying, man. Um, and I, and I think a lot of people probably listen to this, and be like, Nah, I'd rather have Court and Sutton. And and I don't blame you, uh, especially if you you know like to chase upside, if you like the intrigue of young players. Certainly, Court and Sutton checks all those boxes. I just. I just think rookie wide receiver, you know, and rookie wide receivers other than Odell Beckham don't generally do that much. Um, he still has a ways to go in terms of, you know, um, being a, a well-rounded wide receiver. He's a big physical freak, man. And I love Corton Sutton and, and anyone who listened to me, you know, pre-draft, I was like, I love this kid. I think he's got a chance to be the, um, you know, uh, not the rookie of the year, but the wide receiver rookie of the year for sure. Um, but just still, though, top 20 is pretty high. And, you know, there's a lot of established names, including Amari Cooper up there. So, yeah, I would say Cooper ahead of Courtland Sutton. But <clears throat> I say that tentatively, though, because <laughs> I'm not 100% behind that.
1: All right. So, well, so you brought up something real quick there that made me think. So You said, obviously, not rookie of the year. Uh, just quick sidebar situation with Saquon Barkley. Does yep. the prospects, although – that might even get pushed further down the road now that the L- Loletta almost hit a co- or actually did or didn't. I don't know. He almost hit a cop or actually did hit a cop, whatever it was. He was trying to go through a traffic area, which, hey, by the way, you're supposed to pay attention to the cop when they're on the street. And they say what, they, they override everybody out there in case you don't know this. No matter what the light is, the cop overrides the light, just so you know. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> just so, I've actually been in that situation yeah. before where the light's been red and the cop was blowing the whistle and aggressively waving to the person in front of me and I had to lay on the horn not because they didn't understand. Like, you, the cop, oh, cop supersedes everything. So, yeah. that being said, the whole question here was going to be about Barkley. And the fact is, if you look at the last game, Again, not that great running the ball. And actually, he's struggled quite a bit a few times here. And it's not surprising given that offense and the offensive line. But he's been saved by the passing game. He's been saved by the passing game. And it's because Saquon Barkley is amazing. But I ask you this question, James. Just for argument's sake, are you concerned at all in case they do make the switch and all of a sudden we see like a Jimmy Garoppolo situation where Loletta maybe doesn't like the check down or doesn't like to throw to the running backs?
0: You know the other thing about LaLeta too, um, and I'm not, and I'm, I'm not trying to tell you he should or should not play because that's I don't know, man. I, I just I'm not into that. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I think Eli Manning has been better than advertised. I, I will say that he's he where his problems have been have been glaring in, in the red zone, um, but in between the twenties, he's actually been decent, man. If you you know go back and, and kind of look at the games and. Um, and certainly the statistics would back that up as well. It's just when he gets into the, oh, my goodness, in the red zone, he, this guy's an absolute dumpster <laughs> fire. I don't understand what's going on. That's um, why the,
1: the Jaguars had in a trade for him, because he's basically Blake Bortles that can't run.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, um, but, no, look, um, I, I, L- people got to remember, Lillard was actually uh, really highly regarded and really did well during the pre-draft process. Right. Um, during the Senior Bowl, the guy was one of the standouts. Uh, so I'm, I'm intrigued if he gets in uh, what he can do because I think what I saw at least from Senior Bowl stuff and from what I've heard from um, and read about from scouts is that the guy's a pretty good short to intermediate area thrower and he's not the best downfield guy. Uh, but he can get it down there. And, again, you know, that's basically all you need in the NFL. You need a guy that can, you know, drive that ball to any part of the field 10 to 15 yards downfield. That's where you make your money in the NFL. Um, downfield throws are are nice and sexy, and, and those things are cool. But, you know, very few quarterbacks can consistently hit those things downfield. So, uh, but, you know, right now, Eli Manning, like I said, I think he's better than advertised. But just in the red zone, has just been a a freaking disaster. Um, will Laletta help that? I'm not sure. Rookie quarterbacks in the red zone also tend to be, you know, not very good. Um, so even if he gets his chance, I am intrigued, but I, I still wouldn't be, you know, I still wouldn't be that excited about it. But yeah, I, that's kind of my take on Laletta, which is the guy did well during the Senior Bowl, and a lot of people really liked what they saw um, from Laletta, but. I just don't think it's enough right now for me to be I'm like, oh yeah, man, this upgrade, Saquon, this upgrades, you know, Odell, and and all the guys. I just, yeah, I Could just, be the other I, way. Would you take, yeah, would
1: you take Zeke or Barkley the rest of the season?
0: Oh, I'm still taking Barkley in PPR. I mean, the guys, you know, the guy's amazing. The guy's just incredible. Yeah, um, no, he definitely is. It's just
1: and, it's an interesting question because we know. Zeke's floor is safe and it's just like you know what I guess what I said is like what if Lolita comes in and all of a sudden we get the Carlos High treatment it's like oh, you don't get the C passes anymore so good luck
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's true uh, you're, you bring up a good point whenever I hear t- people talk about Lolita, it's always about the upside and it's never about the downside mm. um, and you're right he comes I mean if Loletta were to ever get in he comes with a lot of downside risk too
1: yeah, that's definitely concerning. All right, two things before we get out of here. One is I've been asking everybody this week, and I just want to get your thoughts in general. And you know, I'm not saying like we need to do it tomorrow. Or forget it's just I think it's an interesting conversation to have because a lot of people have tweeted this at me surprisingly over the past two or three weeks, and it seems to be like at least a, a fan grand gr- groundswell for it is. Points for pass interference, and I'm not saying you get the full 40 yards, but I see a lot of people are starting to go down this route of, like, you know, Odell Beckham just got tackled at the five-yard line, and Odell Beckham's, like, the, the best one because it's always happening to him. But there's others, too. DeAndre Hopkins gets tackled, and you lose. And it's not even just the fact that you lost the 40-yard reception. It's A lot of times it turns into a run, so you also lost the touchdown on top of it. So there's <laughs> a lot of people, you know, it's like maybe – Half like a half point PPR like maybe you get half the yards or even a core like just do, do oh you think, no, no okay that's that's why no. I want to throw it out there like I just think it's an interesting conversation like do we think we should give anything for pass interference?
0: I thought you were going to go. I thought I, I thought you were going to be quote unquote aggressive and say points per inter, interference.
1: I mean How? that's actually not that that's the probably the least one that probably is solid like one I, for pass interference.
0: Yeah, I, it's um. I don't know, man. I, I have – I guess I kind of sort of have – I mean, I understand the concept of it anyways because, like, look, you're getting all these penalty yards, and those yards are not being accounted for in the game. Right. Um, and so I, I understand where that makes some logical sense. But, man, maybe I'm just a traditionalist or something, mm-hmm. but I just – that I just can't get behind that, man. <laughs> you know, there's – look, I, I mean, there's – you know, there are certain things that just don't get counted – I, I would I would almost I, I, at first, I thought you were going to go the other way, man, like Which I really way? want points for pass breakups for for defenses? Oh yeah um, or or you know, or if you didn't want to do pass breakups, you know, I was going to say maybe like points for like maybe a half point for pass breakup, and like uh but I do think you should get a full point for plays that result behind the line of scrimmage, so tackle for loss. Yeah. I Cause think- I'm, I'm like a tackle for loss is the same thing as a sack, bro. Um, it, it,
1: it really is. And see, that's my problem with defense. Like, well, I've always rejiggered my entire defensive scoring for my home league for years now, because my, the mm-hmm. entire, like I have a problem with two points for a sack on top. Like, why are you getting two and like, two for intercept? Like the only thing that should be two is a two. Po- like you, you actually got a safety. Like, why is that the same? Like how rare is a safety and you're getting the same for a sack? Like, I just think like, Whoever started defensive scoring a long time ago, I understand. You know that was at the time, but I really think to your point, I think defense scoring—if you're going to keep it as a team—which I don't have a problem keeping it as a team—because a lot of people don't want to go down the IDP route—and I'm fine with that. But to yeah. your point, I think we need an overhaul know what the defensive scoring is.
0: Yeah, um, I—I've you know, never actually played in a in a league where where sacks are, are negative or or plus two. Sacks are usually one i think that's the default setting in most leagues is it? um yeah but it is it is two for interceptions and fumble recoveries
1: maybe that's what um, i'm thinking of. Oh, see that's what, I, and i've turned it around to like fumbles so like you get a half a point if you force one and then a half a point if you recover it so like one if you do both
0: oh so one full one oh that's interesting yeah four so force fumble but non-recovery you get a half point right um yeah, that's interesting because that usually does result in a negative play. You know what, man? Any, like I said, anything tackle for loss for me is I wish tackle for loss would be a one-two because that would be yeah, that would be nice because I, I just feel like again defenses right now are are pretty irrelevant and I kind of just would like to see a little bit more balance where you know defenses do get a little bit more scoring or there is some more um, you know significant differential between. Team defenses because right now it's like they're just throwaway positions, kind of like kickers are throwaway positions too. But I can't really think of anything, you know, elegant that would work for for kickers to kind of separate and differentiate the kickers. But for I've, defenses, I just
1: tuned out. You know that? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, I know you did. Now. <laughs> but for defenses, though, I, I I feel like tackle for loss would, you know, separate. Uh, some of the defenses, some of the better defenses from you know middle of the pack. I don't know. Maybe I'm just crazy. I don't know. I'm not exactly sure. Um, I thought you were gonna. I thought you were gonna ask me about the whole golden tape trade because that's like the hot topic in fantasy right now.
1: Uh, we I, we talked about it a lot, but we you certainly get your opinion. That's the thing is I don't want to like return thing. Like return. I'm just making up words now. I'm I'm so off filter here. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you, you, you brought up kickers and it kind of like threw me. Yeah, like, it threw you off. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. so I'm just going to make up words now, but yeah, no talk about golden tape. I'll, I'll tell you what I said. Yes. How about that? So everybody, yes, already, please, I'll, I'll give you the recap of it. I said, I'm going to do both teams for you. So, because just for the recap is I said, golden tape for me, I don't see a change in value because I see the drop in market share because he has 27%. And that's what Zach Ertz has. So everybody has to go down and take some, those numbers aren't going to stay the same. And I, so I think, Ertz drops to what he was last year. Alshon Jeffrey drops to what he was last year, which is fine. They take a little bit of a hit, but Zach Ertz is still a top three tight end. You know, Alshon Jeffrey is still Alshon Jeffrey. Golden Tate goes from that 27 to drop maybe about, what would you say? 21, 22. So, but he's now in a better offense. He's now with a better quarterback that's more efficient at scoring touchdowns. Despite Stafford being as aggressive as he is, that team's gone a little bit more run-heavy and still is not as efficient as Carson Wentz is when it comes to scoring touchdowns. So that's why I think it's a net even. And then, obviously, I agree with you from before. I think Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones are both top 20 wide receivers the rest of the way.
0: Um, man, I, I'm, I'm interested in the, in the Golden Tate scenario because I'm not, I'm not 100% sold the guy just comes in and, um, and is fully utilized. Uh, okay. I think that he will eat into all the players that you mentioned, and by the way, like r i p nelson Aguilar, right oh
1: yeah, sorry, buddy
0: yeah, you know it's like yeah you were you were a usable asset in, but no you're now you're just gone um that being <laughs> said i don't think uh, i don't think golden Tate just comes in and just absolutely erases nelson Aguilar. i think i think my concern if I was a golden Tate you know manager would be. Do they work him in, and does it take a few weeks to work him in and get acclimated to the system? Um, Maybe I would too be optimistic with the buy. Yeah, I know they got the buy, which is great. It's actually good um, right. because you know, because I tell you what, the worst thing would be is if he was quote unquote active for this Sunday, and you were trying to figure out whether or not to play Golden Tate. Um, and I would have probably just said, Nah, I probably wouldn't. You know um but yeah moving forward i'm i 'm curious to see how Peterson and the boys will use uh golden take because he 's a phenomenal football player man just just a when i when I think of like a quintessential like yeah, I want this dude on my this is that guy, you know what i 'm saying it's yeah. it. I love this dude um he 's such a great just overall football player. he reminds me a lot of like i don 't know like a Heinz Ward or something you know he just does everything you know what i 'm saying um and to me, I, I like him as a football player, but just from a fantasy perspective, I just don't think—I don't think he gets nearly enough volume. Uh, I think he's going to fall off considerably. And I think this—I think this hurts Zach Ertz the most. Um, well, other than Nelson Ackler, but who cares about Nelson Agholor? <laughs> <laughs> Zach Ertz right now is on a—he's on a ridiculous pace. He's averaging ten and a half targets per game. The next okay. highest tight end is Travis Kelsey at 8.8 targets per game, right? So, like, it's just such a wide gulf. And then you think about what Zach Ertz was seeing the last two years. The last two years prior to this year, he was averaging 7.7 targets per game, which, by the way, that's still a lot. Yeah. Um, so, well, I don't see, know. I Tim,
1: falls to that. Don't, and then don't you think he's still fine at that? I mean, that still puts him as – I mean, it's him, Kelsey, and that might be it at this point. I mean, Gronkowski's not getting back to the top three. I mean, we man, know that. What is
0: what is up with Gronkowski, man? I oh, mean, he
1: he fell off the cliff with uh, Jordy, Jordy Nelson. He we didn't know this. He was riding sidecar with Jordy Nelson
0: when he went <laughs> off. <laughs> he was <in> the sidecar. <laughs> that's right, man. Like, I, what happened to Gronk? Um, anyways, that's a totally different, you know, uh, topic. But I think if Zach Ertz comes down to earth, man, and there's no way he's maintaining 10 and a half targets. Just, right. I mean, no that's, way. Like, um, I just think, look, I, I think if he gets down to like, I don't know, seven, six, there's going to be games where he sees five, um, that will send Zach Ertz managers into an absolute frenzy because they've gotten accustomed to this. They're just used to this now. They're, they're like, yeah, man, Zach Ertz, tight end one, hundred percent, just going to dominate every single week. This goes back to my point at the beginning of this podcast. Yep. hundred percent. We've seen it for eight weeks. There's no reason for it to change. <laughs> this guy they, they've got a bromance like nah dude you know it's like look if he sees five or six targets that's gonna be a problem um, there's I'm gonna be last
1: year and we've got uh, I love, you as soon as you said that and made me think so we got five and two catches for 18 yards save this day with two touchdowns in that one five Ooh. for five six for four for 34 five for two for eight 4-for-2-for-24, 2-for-2-for-24, 5-for-3-for-32. I mean, and if you go back to the year before that,
0: James. That's what I'm saying. That's what three I'm saying.
1: It's 3-for-3-for-37, 3-for-1-for-22. Like, basically, to your point, it's, it's actually 6. Is, it looks like the number. If it's 6 or less, targets-wise, it's a bad day for Zach. It's a
0: bad day, man. Uh, and there are going to be games here to close out the season where the guy sees 5, you know, 6 targets, Maybe. Um, and again, I just think, I think, you know, eight is probably pretty high for him, but the floor now all of a sudden, see the floor with Zach Ertz was so high up until, up until this week. And that's what made him so appealing, you know, because even guys like Ben Watson, who are, part, are decent tight ends this year, their floors are literally zero. <laughs> You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> I see yeah. was out there
1: for 98% of the snaps and got a yeah. zero.
0: <laughs> got a zero. Got a zero. You know? Like Austin Hooper. Like, good tight end this year. Good fantasy tight end this year. Great fantasy tight end this year. You know, his it's, it's floor is like five. You know, it's like, Zachary's <laughs> floor was like ten. You're like, geez, man, what's going on here? So, yeah, no. Um, so, no, I, I think like, you know, to me, I think that's the biggest ramification is that people who have gotten so used to you know having Zach Ertz just be a consistent double digit tight end guy, I, they don't have that. I just, I just don't think they have that strategic advantage anymore. And when I tweeted about that, people lost their damn minds. Like, no, 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 no. Oh, no, no, no. Zach, no, Zach Ertz. He's unt- He's just no. This is not going to happen. I mean, Philly fans were just. In my mentions, whoa, okay. coming for me, bro.
1: You're telling me Philly fans are not reasonable.
0: <laughs> <people>? <laughs> it's, it's so crazy. It's so cra- and people are trying to argue like, yeah, no, but this will open it up for Zacher, so he'll see better, t- higher quality targets now. And I'm oh like,
1: I hate that argument so much. It's
0: like, dude, are you serious, man? Do you not know how this game is played? Like, we just chasing volume straight up. You know, like gotcha. quality of targets. Get market. out of my life. You know,
1: well, think, like what? Just, yeah, just can we make this clear for everybody? I know we've said it a lot, but li- like, just because you add another talented piece does not. It's I don't know why people go to that so much. Is they like, oh, it's going to open so much up more for the rest? No, it's
0: it's, it's because it it's because people want to be. They want they're Fox Mulder man. They want to believe. You know what I'm saying? And look, there are there are situations where that happens. There's no question. Like if you take Will Fuller off the field, yeah, of course, safety coverage can roll out to DeAndre Hopkins deep. Yes, I, yeah, of course. There are there are situations where that happens. But before the
1: trade, we were also dropping from Will Fuller to Kiki Q T. It's like it's not like <laughs> exactly. it's not the, like it's not. It's, I All mean, right. l- t- let's take your example. Let's say a healthy Will Fuller, and then they ju- let's they never lost him and traded yeah. for Demarius Thomas.
0: Right. It hurts that's everyone. Gonna, right. It's not going to open even more up for Dr. right, <laughs> Right. 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 That's exactly right. Um, and, the, and the other thing, too, it's like, look, man, um, it, it doesn't open it up for Zach Ertz because these are two guys, Golden Tate and Zach Ertz, that operate in similar areas of the field. They're both short the to intermediate area receivers. You know what I'm saying? So, um, yeah, it, it's not going to, quote, unquote, open it up. That doesn't make any sense. If, if anything – it opens it up for somebody like Alshon Jeffrey, who's a deep downfield guy, where so much linebacker coverage is going to have to be, you know, accounted for in the short to intermediate area of the field. Where if Alshon Jeffrey gets behind one of those guys, you know, running a deep post or something, it's like, yeah, that's where it opens it up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, um, so yeah, man. I think I think Zach. I'm I'm curious to see how they, you know, fit together. Um, it's a great real-life football move, but from a fantasy perspective, I just think it ends up hurting everybody except Carson Wentz. I think Carson Wentz sees a boost. Oh, but
1: yeah, is definitely a good
0: this one. is an offense, man, that was so concentrated. You know, Aguilar, Ertz, and Alshon Jeffrey, uh, I have this somewhere. Where is this? They accounted for 63% of the targets and 69% of the air yards. That It's just it was so highly concentrated. Now it goes from three pass catchers to four pass catchers, and I don't know. And I think week to week the volatility is is just skyrockets. That's my major takeaway: is that the volatility between these players now becomes a real issue. Um, there will be games where Alshon Jeffrey doesn't do anything. There's going to be games where Zach Ertz doesn't do anything. There's going to be games where Golden Tate doesn't do anything. Um, and again, we're just erasing Nelson Aguilar because who cares? <laughs> but but yeah, I just. But you know what? I tell you, and I say this jokingly, but you know what? There will be games where Nelson Aguilar pops up and you're like, how did Nelson Aguilar get seven catches? How did he do it? And it's going to be so frustrating. I I've never
1: invited him on the podcast now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> There's going to be weeks where you're like, Nelson Aguilar is the leading receiver for the Eagles. Like all my Alshon Jeffrey shares, all my Zach Ertz and Golden Tate shares have just been ripped to shreds. You know, It's like, oh, yeah. God, this stinks. Um, but, yeah, I just think adding Golden Tate, um, as, much, as much of a great move as it was in real life, and I love the move in real life, um, from a fantasy perspective, adds so much volatility to a pass attack that was pretty darn reliable in 2018,
1: man. I, I, I definitely think that's a concern that a lot of people have to have from the Zachary side of it. All right, so then before, real quick, we get you out of here. Give me one Po- what, what player you're trying to buy low on for the stretch run that you think is going to have, like,
0: like the Keenan Allen situation? Um, can I go flip side? Can I give you a sale high? Sure. I'll give I'll you Tyler side. Lockett. I, I think Tyler Lockett, from a volume standpoint, is just not there. He scored six touchdowns in seven games. He's on pace to score 14 touchdowns. It's not going to happen. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um, and right now, Tyler Lockett is just gangbusters. He's on fire. The dude's just, you know, double digits every single week, man. The guy's just been unbelievable. Um, off the waiver wire for most people. Some people did draft him, but for the most part, you know, off the waiver wire for most people. And right now, you've locked and loaded him in. You're like, oh yeah, he's my wide receiver too, and I feel great about it. I just look at the volume he's seeing. He's seeing less than five targets a game, and he's seeing less than sixty air yards, uh, or I think just at sixty air yards a game. And and again, I'll just reiterate the air yards thing. It, um, it you w- basically want your receiver to see anywhere between. You know, ninety to one hundred and ten. If you're, you know, not a top-flight wide receiver. If you're top-flight wide receiver, like one hundred twenty to you know, one hundred sixty is probably the number of air yards you want to see per game. So ninety, sixty air yards a game. That's that is low. That's like that's like tight end low. Um, that's you know, he's not seeing a lot of volume. And it's not. It's not. It's not because he's running shorter routes it's because he's only seeing 4.9 targets per game. You know what I mean? All the routes that he runs are deep, and all the targets that he's getting are deep, and that's fine, but he's only seeing five targets a game. <laughs> um, I just, from, from a sell-high perspective, you will not find better value right now than selling Tyler Lockett right now. Um, he has tremendous value. Tremendous value. And I just don't think... I do. I just do not think he holds this up uh, moving forward. Six touchdowns in seven games. Forget yeah. about it. No, Forget about it.
1: You did. You see. You did the long form version of. I actually have him as a sell high, and and mine just says another Calvin Ridley touchdown ratio anomaly. Like that's. Oh,
0: got you. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point too. Very,
1: They're very short version of uh, everything you just said, which is uh, much better
0: actually. Yeah. Yeah, and and, and Calvin – I mean, if we wanted to hold on to Calvin Ridley, I mean, at least you could talk yourself into, well, Atlanta's defense is really bad. They're going to be in more shootouts. They've got to throw the ball (sighs) – Russell Wilson's just not throwing the ball a lot. I don't understand His it. His touchdown ratio is off the flip. It's oh, ridiculous. Yeah. Actually, oh, it talk funny. about another sell high guy for sure. Russell well, I was gonna um, say Russell, Russell Wilson, Wilson and
1: David Moore. Like he's in the Calvin Ridley conference. You know what you know what David Moore has in the last couple games? He's got eleven targets, nine receptions, and four touchdowns. You, you Amazing. To <laughs>
0: although you know you know people will always point to this dude it's like well what about will fuller because remember will fuller last year it was like ridiculous he had like seven Uh, catches and uh, six of them were touchdowns or something it was stupid i know but everybody you know he's the one anomaly
1: that broke the system like that that doesn't make the system wrong like that right right doesn't happen
0: Right, right, right. By the way. Right. I mean, because if we are doing the whole, you know, quote, unquote, you know, hashtag trust the process, it's like, dude, you got to trust the process, man. You can't can't depend on these guys to be scoring like touchdowns at that incredible rate. It's just, it's just nuts. So I think, yeah, I look, I think Russell Wilson, I look, if you, uh, Russell Wilson too, it's like, if you don't want to sell Russell Wilson, I get it. You know, the guy can catch fire and he can spread it around to still keep the touchdown volume pretty high. And plus the rushing, you know, like the rushing ability um, certainly makes him pretty enticing, but man, his pass catchers though, his pass catch, I would be selling his pass catchers like crazy. Like, no, I like Tyler Lockett. And trust me, it pains me to say Tyler Lockett, Lock, I have Tyler Lockett in almost every league i i love to and i'm trying to unload him right now and i can't do it <laughs> and it's you know because of my i'm still trying to ask for a lot you know because it's like oh sell high i'm trying to sell high i'll tell
1: you the flip side though if you if you're tight and needy go pick up ed dixon oh i'm so happy about ed dixon
0: i'm, I'm, I'm what's your take on ed dixon here because i'm not i don't i don't know enough i mean i know he went to oregon he's a big athletic body but I mean, that's I mean, that's really what's still so. there and,
1: so uh, I, this comes back to the way back in the preseason. Uh, Salfino tweeted out something and said, you know, there's no such thing as sleepers anymore. And, you know, we've done this every year. We say the same thing. And it is yeah. really not. And he goes, you want a sleeper. Let's talk about Ed Dixon. And the thing—it's just funny because I I was writing that day about super. The the article was super deep sleepers. Like Mm. those are probably the real sleepers at this point. I said, but if you want to talk about, you just said it. He's athletic. He's a big body. This team uses the tight end, no matter who it is. It's true. They had a giant opening, and now obviously Ed Dixon at the beginning of the season. missed time, that wasn't at that time wasn't happening. But if you look at it, Will Disley two weeks in a row, and then Nick right. Vanette comes in, and you know Nick Vanette has like forty yards, fifty yards, nothing super exciting. But if you look at the game log, he was the second leading receiver twice for this team. So, and then Ed Dixon comes in, and the snap count's not huge, but the first game back, you see the red zone opportunity. I just to interesting. me,
0: interesting
1: to me, Seahawks tight end is a thing.
0: Okay. I believe it. I so. believe it. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go look into that because I need a tight end. It's a couple leagues, man. So I might. I might. I might Dixon, throw a baby. little flyer. And Dixon, <laughs> what the hell not? I mean, what? I mean, here's the thing. Tight end this year. Who cares? Right. I <laughs> you mean, if it's like, Dixon, you're gonna go to what? Ian <laughs> Hurst, Bass yeah, McDonald. Where am I going? Yeah, exactly. Where am I going? I might as well go at Dixon. I like <laughs> it. What the hell? Why Chris not? Chris Herndon in his one catch for a touchdown? Oh, my goodness. Yes, Chris Herndon in his one catch. Yes, give me that guy. I don't know. Sure. <laughs> Ed Dixon, yeah. I saw him play at Oregon. Sure. What the hell? I'll, I'll yeah, do it. Yeah, Ed Dixon. You know? Let's go. Let's go, Ed Dixon.
1: <laughs> everybody, speaking of let's go, you see that transition there. Everybody Ooh. needs to go over to the Athletic, check out Code Knows, and also I'll let you go ahead and tell everybody else all the other good stuff, where to find you because they can find you Sunday mornings and throughout the day. If you have the right stuff. So you let everybody know, James.
0: Yeah, man. So it's uh the direct TV channel seven oh four. It's uh, the fantasy zone. It's a great cast. Uh, myself, John Guru, uh John Guru, John Hansen <laughs> the guru. Um everyone just calls him guru, which is so funny. I'm like, man, what a what a way to live. Just everyone just calls you guru everywhere you go. Really?
1: So like if you like you walk up to you like, hey, what's up, guru? Like that's Yeah. Awesome.
0: No one, his, his Twitter handle is the, is fantasy guru. Right. And literally everyone calls him guru and people, <laughs> no one calls him John. Uh, the first, the first week I worked there, I called him John and everyone like did a double take. Like, who are you talking? Oh, guru. <laughs> it's like, and, so, and my producer got in my ear and told me nobody calls him John. Like, and really? I'm like, what, I'm like, what do they call him? They're, they're like, Oh, they call him guru. And I'm like, really? I was like, should I make everybody start calling me all in? What's up all in? (laughs) Sure. Hey, what's up all in? No. And then, and then of course, then there's like, you know, then there's like, you know, variations of that people just call him goo. Hey, goo, what you got goo or guru. (laughs) It's like, like, Oh man, what a way to live. This is amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, anyways, um, but yes, uh, the guru, John Hansen, is on the show as well. And he really knows his stuff. The thing I really, can I, I just, I'll just do a little bit of, um, You know, uh, Daps and stuff, but man, the guy—the guy is just so prepared. The guy watches so much game tape, and he comes in, and and I know people are like, "Oh, well, don't you get paid to do?" Yes, we get paid to do that, but a lot of people don't do that. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, We get paid. I get paid. You know, every other Friday, regardless. Okay, pal. Like so, (laughs) I don't need to. I don't need to do the research, but I do the research because I think the research is fun. Um, John. Uh, John is incredible And, uh, and yeah He, um, he absolutely uh, Does his homework And I'm always Very impressed Very very impressed By how much uh, Prep work That he does He watches a lot Of game tape Does a lot of, uh, of Research in terms Of statistics And everything But um, very impressed by him. But, yes, of course, the great great Kay Adams and Dan Haley are on the show, too. Anyways, uh, bottom line is uh, it's, a, it's a great show. It's called Fantasy Zone. It's on DirecTV Channel 704. It's an hour before kickoff, uh, and we take you all throughout the day, Red Zone style. So we show you all the games, show you all the scores, all of those things. Um, and then, of course, every Friday you can check out my column that comes out on The Athletic. It's called Co Knows. And we basically look at next-gen stats and uh, talk about, you know, trade candidates and buy, buy low, sell high, uh, breakout potential sleepers, th- those type of regular fancy stuff. But I just use a next-gen microscope uh, to kind of focus in on, on certain players.
1: Yeah, bail on the Seahawks get out, get out of there except for Ed Dixon we love you Ed except Dixon. for
0: Ed Dixon let's go
1: so yeah you can follow James James D. Co uh, or, uh, sorry, sorry follow Co can I start just calling you Co <laughs> does that work sure why not why not <laughs> and uh, we'll be back next Thursday yes go check out his stuff on the Athletic check him out on Sunday great job as always always a good time James thanks see you man once again that was James Co you know where to find him you know where to find his work His work is over there at The Athletic, just like mine is. And if you go to theathletic.com front slash all in sports, you get 30% off. You don't have to pay full price. I'm nice like that. I got a special code just for you guys. You could also go to the patreon.com front slash all in sports and sign up. They are back tomorrow. And I say they, because it is unsealed with Joe Pisa P and Chris Meany, the three of us back together on Monday for all in sports over there. I'm back on Tuesdays and Thursdays as always for the iTunes, this podcast version, which you find everywhere. Obviously, if you're listening now, so all those things are happening. Guests next week, giveaways you heard at the beginning of the show. All sorts of things going on. I hope you enjoyed your sugar crash today. Happy day after Halloween. And I hope you enjoy the misery that is tonight's football game, but more so week nine of this fantasy football season with so many teams on by. I'll talk to you next week.